everyone. Today on What's My Frame, I'm chatting with Louisiana-based film, television, and commercial casting director, Ryan Glorioso. With a career in entertainment spanning over 20 years, Ryan has a deep understanding of the industry from both behind and in front of the camera. After graduating from Louisiana's Northwestern State University with a BA in theater, Ryan spent eight years of his career in Los Angeles, pounding the pavement as an actor. Upon returning to New Orleans in 04, he found himself in a film industry frenzy. Soon after his return, Ryan found his place in casting, his niche, if you will, in the industry. With over 90 film and television credits to his name, Ryan is one of Louisiana's leading casting directors. He prides himself on supporting actors in the community and helping showcase the spectacular Southeast talent pool. Please join me in welcoming Ryan Glorioso. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Ryan. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, can you start us off with your journey into casting? Sure. Um, I, I was originally an actor, like you, and I, uh, you know, probably for most of my life, you know, from age nine until probably 31, 32, I, all I thought about was acting, like every day, you know. Yeah. Every, every moment of the day was all consumed with acting. And, um, you know, I, I went to college for theater and, um, you know, I did theater throughout high school. And um, when I finished college, I moved to Los Angeles uh, to pursue acting. And I was there for eight years. And I, you know, I did some acting. I, I auditioned a whole heck of a lot. And I um, booked a few things here and there. And you know, I, I had the, I basically spent my 20s in LA pursuing acting. And then I got to a point where I, um, you know, kind of wasn't really getting, I always thought I would like be on a sitcom or something, you know, and, uh, and it just wasn't really happening, you know, like I always dreamed. So I, um, I got to a point where I wanted you know, more, you know, I wanted to like own a house and, you know, I guess grow up a little bit. So, uh, I decided to move, um, move back to new Orleans where I'm from, um, leave Los Angeles. You know, I didn't know if it would be forever or just, you know, for a little while. And uh, I moved back, um, and I was gonna, you know, just take a break from it all. Like no more, no more thinking about acting every day. Uh, I'm going to like, get a, a job at a hotel or something. I, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. So, um, I got back to new Orleans and it was right at the beginning of our film incentive program in, mm -hmm. in Louisiana. Um, so in, in 2004 and, um, I just kind of, you know, I don't know. It was just weird, like weird timing, right place, right time. I, um, all this stuff was starting to happen and I uh, accepted a job uh, actually as a stand-in on a movie for a month, which was something I had never done before. And so I did that and I was like, eh, this is cool. I, you know, I, I don't think I had ever been on a set for like the complete run of a, of a show before, you know, of a, of a movie. So I did that. And then when it was done, I let the, the casting office that, um, that hired me, I let them know, Hey, you know, if you guys ever need help, I, you know, I spent 
my whole life uh, obsessing about acting. And, um, and I, you know, lived in Los Angeles, casting process uh, from an actor's point of view. And I, I'd love to help out if you ever need any assistance. And, you know, they, they didn't call right away. But then one day I got a call and it was like, hey, um, are you still available to, to, to help us? And I was like, of course, when, when you need me to start. And they were like, what are you doing? What are you doing right now? So I, I went down and I started working that day and uh, I've been working in casting ever since. I, I, uh, I kind of stuck with them for uh, a few movies after that, that one. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, you know, lots of things happened that, uh, helped me to get my own business started yeah. along the way. But, um, probably for the first see 2000 like first two two and a half years I worked for for someone else and then um, after Hurricane Katrina I was up in uh, Shreveport Louisiana where a lot of the film work uh, from New Orleans moved there mm -hmm. and uh, I ended up staying in Shreveport for for five years just because I was working and, uh, and that's where I started my, my casting company, Glorioso Casting. And um, I, I really learned how to, how to do casting um, there by working on project after project. Um, I, was, I was like one, my company was one of two casting companies that were in Shreveport during that period. And we did most of the you know, most of the projects that came through. So probably in a, you know, in a five year period, we probably did like 60 films. Yeah. Like the, the first year, the first year I was in business, I, my company in business, not the stuff I did with the other company, we did uh, 16 films in, in my first year. Um, and that included extras casting as well. So local casting and extras casting. So really it's like 32 jobs, yeah. you know? So, um, so I really, that's how I got my feet wet in mm -hmm. casting. And, um, and, and I, you know, made some mistakes, you know, in, in the beginning, um, but I definitely learned from them and, and uh, figured out that this is, this is my, my niche. This is, you know, what I was, uh, put here to do not necessarily be an actor um although i do still love acting um you know i really love casting i love getting to deal with actors so amazing now having been an actor before how does that shape your your mood in the room or how does that shape just your understanding of actors and our our many quirks perhaps um i'm i'm pretty I'm a pretty understanding guy, you know, when it comes to actors. I, I am very pro-actor, obviously, because I, I was one. Um, I enjoy being around actors. So I enjoy, you know, the whole process of uh, them coming in and having prepared this thing. I love seeing uh, them. I love seeing them get it, you know. Um, and I love being able to read with them. Like that's where I get my uh, my my fulfillment of my actor self. You know, I, I get to uh, you know 
I get to do a little bit of acting per se, you know, uh, so that, that's fun. Um, I, I just like recognizing when someone has put the work in and I can, you know, I can see that they've done that. I, I like that all unfolding in, in front of us, whether it's from, you know, coming in live or seeing it from a self tape, you know, I think you can get, you can get that from both avenues. Yeah, I appreciate you noting that because I do want to talk later about self-tapes and Zoom auditions and how, depending on what market you're in, it may be a while before you're actually in the room, even as production is slowly starting back up. But um, I do want to stay on like the Southeast market for a minute because you kind of arrive, like you said, at the right place at the right time and have seen it grow to just a real competitor for actual Hollywood. How have you seen it change and evolve um what do you think the future of the southeast market looks like um i've seen it grow in a in a way that i think is really important um the infrastructure is the most important aspect of the whole thing you know like uh, films can set up shop in any small town you know, and, and they can rent a warehouse and build sets and, you know, do, do the thing for one or two films. Um, but what I've seen from, from the get-go is it be like what I just described to, uh, to a situation where we have studios now. We have, you know, uh, like concrete office space that, um, that's not, going anywhere you know we have a we have a solid crew base that have made you know whether it's new orleans or atlanta or um you know one of the surrounding suburbs made it their home you know um and once once people once okay so once the infrastructure is invested into the community then Mm -hmm. the people get invested in the community you know like i i'm you know, I moved back from Shreveport 2010. So, you know, New Orleans is my, my hometown, but I am, I'm now 10 years invested into back into New Orleans, you know, so I don't want to leave, you know. Now, for those that don't know, you are in charge of locals casting beyond just being a casting director and doing extras casting. You do locals casting for a lot of big shows and movies. For anyone that doesn't know, can you explain what that means? Yeah, sure. Um, so when a project shoots on location, you know, like outside of Los Angeles or New York, there's uh, typically going to be a local casting director um, hired to cast within the community or within the region. So um, like when I do a television series, there will be uh, an LA office um, and then there will be me, you know, my office handling. Basically, we both look for for everything, you know. Ideally, um, the producers would love to hire as many people locally as they can because it's, you know, it a first and foremost bottom line, it's less expensive, you know. And if we are doing our job and we're, you know, building the solid talent base uh, locally, why wouldn't we 
you know, give those local actors a shot, some of these amazing opportunities. I mean, they're, they're also investing um, themselves in being part of the infrastructure that I was just talking about here. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm generally hired like on a television show um, when we do a pilot, we'll, we'll, both offices will look, you know, the, the series regulars typically will come from Los Angeles, yeah. you know, from the star talent pool. Um, but m mostly everything else will, will end up being local, um, unless there's something that we are having real difficulty with finding locally. Um, they will also look in Los Angeles. And then when the show, when the show gets to series, um, I'm typically hiring, uh, most of the co-stars, um, and some guest stars. Um, usually the guest star cast, uh, that for an episode will be, uh, will be looked at in Los Angeles, New York, as well as locally. Mm -hmm. So, but for the most part, all the co-star roles are probably gonna come from here, unless it's something really crazy that, that we just don't have. Now you have helped cast Daddy's Home, Get Hard, and The Campaign, all Will Ferrell films, just with, just packed full of comedy. When you are working on films like that, do you feel like it's helpful to see like the improv in the room or do you see that that's often asked on those kind of big comedies or is it better to do as written? Um, that's a great question. Um, I, I think if it's good, if it, I think, I think we'll do two takes. Like I, I usually will try and get one as written. And then, especially for comedy, and then we'll play a little bit on a second take. Um, and and I may or may not, like, I may think the person's, like, perfect for it based on what they did, the way it's written. And then maybe they their improv is just, you know, not great. Um, that's, that's not a, a deal breaker for me. I don't have to show it, you know, to yeah. the producers. Like, if, if I feel like they could they can get to the set and deliver, um, then I, I will show it. Um, I may feel, I may test out the waters with the, with the producers or the director and, and ask, you know, like, what's the improv situation going to be like mm -hmm. on set? Like, yeah. are, are you guys going to want to play? Because, you know, this, this person might not be the strongest improviser, but they can, they can handle whatever you throw at them that's written. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with, with those movies, um, I definitely like to to play a little bit. And usually, when I when I send out the self tapes, I will I will ask for a little bit of imp improvisation. I don't want I don't want them like rewriting the script, you know, because yeah. um, there's a writer that's going to be watching these tapes, and you know, I, I've had situations where you know the director was the writer and you know, and the callbacks, not for these films, but uh, another film in particular that I'm thinking of, you know, the, the actors would improvise in the in the room with yeah. the director slash writer of the thing. And then when they leave, I'm like, what do you think? He's like, eh, they think they're funnier than me. You know, like, oh, wow. I mean, I, I want them to say the words that I wrote, you know? Yeah. So when in doubt, I would say stick to the page, but, mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, on a, yeah, on a Will Ferrell movie, come on. 
Um, Maybe like a really well chosen button. <laughs> yeah, I mean a, a a button is great. You know, I yeah. mean that's that's the that's the thing some people get into when you say yeah, feel free to improvise some. They they rewrite the middle of the of the entire thing. Yes. You know, and then it just doesn't. It's like what. And sometimes it just gets so blue or, or like, you know, it's like, yo, you missed the tone. You missed the tone of the whole thing. Like you need to, you know, redo this. Sometimes I'll have people re retape it. Yeah. And I think that that's something where when we as actors start taking too many liberties with changing it and improvising, we're not privy to the whole script. We don't know if something in this scene actually has to do with something later that we can't be sure with but so much and yeah yeah back back in the early days uh when i was when i was like my first few movies on my own yeah. um you know being in the southeast we've been getting self-tapes for a long time you know it's not something that just happened because of the pandemic i would get people just being really cre like almost too creative with their tapes you know where they would they would put like a soundtrack under it, or they would like, wow. you know, edit it, edit the scene together, like it's like they're the filmmaker, you know. I'm like, I'm not asking you to direct the movie. I just want, or edit the movie. I just want you to get a good, good audition, you know. So I think I think most people have gotten past that. I don't think I haven't seen tapes like that in a long time. Well, you actually bring up a really good point because I wanted to talk to you about that because I think that we are going to be seeing more and more self-tapes for the foreseeable future. And I think sometimes we as actors think it's, you know, it's okay to bring in more props into our, our self-tape or it's okay to do it unlimited times. And I have heard from other casting directors, you know, that's that's a scary thing about self-tapes because you don't know if that was the first or second take or the 80th right. take when they yeah. got that performance. Um, do you have any advice for actors that are self-taping how to keep that, that just like energy and urgency of the room and that like same level of professionalism when we're in our own space doing self-tapes? I think if you're genuinely uh, in the moment, you know, and, and, and grounded within the scene. Yeah. And you have an understanding of like what, what needs to happen, you're gonna, you're gonna have that urgency that you need, whether it's a live audition or a self-tape audition, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I mean, if you're, if you're manufacturing all of that, then it's not gonna, it's probably not gonna be a great audition anyways, whether you came in the room or did it at home, yeah. you know? Um, I mean, I understand like you get, you get like sometimes, two, three, four, five self-tape requests like in one day and you have to, that's a lot to memorize or, you know. Um, but I think you need to take actors just need to like stop, breathe, you know, take each, each audition separately and work it out and put the time that you need into like this moment mm -hmm. and give the best audition that you can, you know. And I mean, if you want to, if you need to use a prop for it, like if it's something that's called for in the scene, use the prop, you yeah. know, you can do that in my office too. I, I don't mind props. Um, I don't want it to be, you know, all about the prop. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when it's appropriate. 
use it. Did I answer? Did I answer your question? That did. That answered okay. it. Now you mentioned before our chat that you were reading a script. Can you walk us through your pre-production process when taking on a new, either a pilot or a film, and how you take the time for yourself to get to know the characters and the mm. story in the world? I feel like well, as a former actor, this would be really fun for you. Yeah, I mean, I usually, um, when I get a script, um, I, I have a lot of like, I, at, first off, I'm not, I don't really like reading. <laughs> that sounds awful, but uh, like it's part of my job. So, so I have to read. So I tend not to read like books and stuff because of that. Cause I'm like reading scripts, you know, and then like, I'll get like a second draft. Like the script I was reading when you messaged me was the second draft of a script I had already read. So I was mm -hmm. a little, I was a little annoyed that I had to read it again, you know? Um, so I, um, I will read the script and, and basically what I do is I, um, I want to, I want to like get an understanding of all the characters in the, if it's a, if it's a television script, like for this episode, like who, who is in this, I'll jot them all down. Um, and then I will put little notes next to them. If I have like an idea of someone in our, in our talent pool here that I think might be right uh, for this role, like, right. Like if that's who I'm thinking of in the moment, I'll, I'll jot it down. So I remember. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I really don't, I don't think too much about it until I've talked with the, the writers uh, and the producers about it. So what we'll do is we'll, before we start um, the project, we'll have a, a casting concept meeting mm -hmm. where we all get on a call um, and we talk, we go through it character by character and discuss, you know, outside of, you know, what's given to us in the script, any other specifics that they want to, that they want to add. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, um, you know, that, that gets the juices flowing. And then you start to think of more people in your world, like that, that pop in. And then I will um, take that and we'll, we'll get a breakdown uh, prepared um, and just write up descriptions for each character um, and then get that approved by the producers uh, and the writer and the director. And then uh, once that's good to go, we'll get, uh, if there's any like studio or network approvals that are needed for the breakdown, we'll get that approved. Mm -hmm. And then, and then we just, we release it. And, um, for me, like a big part of my process is, uh, like I, I get asked by the, I never get asked by like, like seasoned professional, like people who have done this for years, like, uh, you know, when they come to, to local casting, like, um, so can you tell us who you're thinking of? Or, or can you send, can you just send us some ideas, like before we even start uh, of these characters, like that's always happens with like, like someone who it's their first time making, making a movie or something. My, my answer to that is, I really need to put it out there, you know, put the breakdown out there and let my agents who I, I trust implicitly, like, I trust their um, opinions and their taste. Submit talent who are a are available and 
and write for the role based on the descriptions that that we're giving out. And then from there, we can kind of, you know, curate a list of people to see for each uh, for each role. Um, and then go through the whole process of auditioning and sell tapes and all that stuff. So many actors have found real success in the Southeast market and built their resume there. It's, you know, it's, it's a different talent pool than those that comes to LA straight out of like university. Um, what advice would you have for actors that are coming in for say smaller roles in the like co-star space where there's not a lot to go on often? How do you suggest they leave a memorable impression without making a meal out of, you know, a few lines? Oh man, what is my advice? <laughs> That's a good question. That's a good question. I think um, it all goes back to, you know, being, you know, honest and in the moment for, for whatever it is. It doesn't matter the size of the role, you know? whether it's, you know, a huge guest star with, you know, a three episode arc or a, a co-star that has, you know, five lines, you know, you still need to put the same process into it. Um, I think it's important to, to remember if, if it is a, a character that's, you know, just forwarding the plot, um, that that's what, that's what your job is. Mm -hmm. You know, um, when in doubt, like, as I said, with the improvising and all that, stick to the script, yeah. you know, be the best, if it's a cop, you know, uh, who's pulling someone over and giving them a ticket, be the best, most authentic cop who's doing this task that is, uh, that is assigned to you. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the pitfall is people trying to make a meal out of it, you know, okay. make it, make it more than what it is. You know, we know you're all, you're all great and all brilliant, but we want you to do this yeah. right now, you know, and, and one day you'll be a star and you'll get to say, no, I want this to turn into that. That's a different time. You know, like that's, that's not where you are right now. So Exactly. I, I think that the people who are successful here um, gaining credits, that mm -hmm. that's something that they do. They come in and they put, you know, 150% into the, this task at hand um, mm -hmm. and they aren't self-conscious about it, you know? That's really well put. Um, to the extreme opposite of going in for like a co-star with limited lines or limited information to go on, You've also helped cast True Blood, Zoo, and The Purge. What advice do you have for actors that are going in for these very heightened worlds? There's a lot of action. There's a lot coming at them possibly in that scene. Where would you say is the best place to be putting your focus and your energy um, so that it doesn't just seem like a lot going in, a lot happening in a very small frame? Yeah, I think for the audition, it's really important to work it out in your head, uh -huh. you know? Um, yeah, you have this small frame, like what we're watching each other on right now. Yeah. Um, you can do a lot within that frame, you know? Um, if you're being, you know, if it's the purge and you're being chased down by someone who wants to purge you and you have, you know, a lot of screaming and, 
you know, a death scene and, you know, all this stuff that's going to happen. I mean, while we want, we do want to see some of that stuff. Yeah. I, we realize that you're not in the environment that you're going to be in on set. So I want you to work it out. Like this is, this is where you can actually be like really creative and, you know, show us how your mind works, you know, like you've taken this, this giant uh, scene of action and you've, you've chosen like solid bullet points, you know, to display within the audition, you know, and, and if we need to see more of the thing that's happening to you, then we'll just work it out in the room, you know, but I think for you to come in or on tape or whatever and own you know, this audition and having made those choices of this is how I'm going to, you know, show them that I understand, you know, what's happening, you know, how I'm going to be in this, this environment in this, in this moment, yeah. you know, um, I, I love it when, uh, like when I, when I first started casting, um, uh, principal casting, there was this actor in Shreveport who had moved from Tampa and, I mean, he was like, so good, so good. And I just remember, this was a good lesson for me as an actor too. Like the first movie I cast, there's two stories about him. He was cast as, he got, he was given two roles cause he was so good. Like the director just loved him. They did prosthetics on him and like gave him like these two character roles. Um, and I was like, this guy, this guy is good. I don't, I don't, actually don't know if he's still an actor or not. But anyway, we were doing another movie and the producer of that was producing another movie in another state and really liked this guy. And was like, hey, I want to audition him for the lead role. Would you, would you put him on tape? And I was like, sure. So I you know, got him the sides, all this stuff. And when he came in for that, he really took ownership of the room. And he came in, he was like, hey, um, can you stand here and then look at this, at this certain line, I'm going to come like right up to the camera and I'm going to do this thing. And I went, you like, he had worked out exactly what, and, and he got the role, you know, he got the role, you know, he, he owned what he needed to do and it worked for him. Amazing. Yeah. Now, just for fun, I think it's, it's very important for actors to remember they can come in and give a stellar read but someone else might come in and just embody the character, just something naturally that comes to them. Do you have any stories of auditioning? Maybe it was a short process or a long process and you know, you were seeing some good people and then someone just walked in and they were that character. Yeah. 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 I did a movie a few years ago um, called Maggie. Mm -hmm. um, it was a real small movie. Um, there's this one character and I, I actually, whenever I do like classes and stuff, I use the sides from this character cause it's, it's like super dramatic and it's really like a monologue. Yeah. Um, there was, you know, probably like four or five women, maybe, maybe it was three women who were called back, uh, for the role yeah. and the role was, was like going into this was for, was going to someone like that the director was like, she's the best one. I, I mean, I want to see these other ladies do it because there was something about them. Um, 
you know, but in his head, he was, he was giving the role to this, this one actress. And uh, the, the callbacks are happening and another actress comes in and just owns the, owns it. Like completely won the, the role, you know, like just came in and, you know, like a hawk and swooped up the, swoop up the role. So it happens, you know. Um, I mean, I've seen, I've seen people come in and just give a stellar callback. Um, when we used to do callbacks, I never get to do callbacks so much anymore, um, <laughs> which I guess is a whole other thing. Um, you know, so that, I mean, I, there will be more callbacks, I'm sure everyone, I don't want to say like we're at the end of callbacks. But call yeah, it, it is it is a thing to come in and win a role. Amazing. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite and least favorite parts of your job? Oh. Uh, my favorites, my favorite parts are um, the the freedom that I have, like being a business owner. I mean, I still work for people. I still work for studios and whatnot, but. I, I love the freedom of I, getting, getting to say no to things if I so choose to. Um, I love the freedom of uh, getting to set my own schedule, mm -hmm. you know, at, at, to some extent, you know. There are, there are things that I have to be available for, you know. Um, I love like I said earlier, um, working with actors, you know, and I love this, I love cultivating uh, a talent pool in our area. Like I love encouraging um, actors to, to make New Orleans their home, you know? So we, you know, I, I, when I meet someone who's, who I see like real potential in, I love, giving them shots, you know, even if you aren't booking, um, but you're auditioning and you keep getting asked back. Um, I love it when, when people come back, you know, and they don't give up. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess, and then like least favorites be rereading scripts. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. Pandemics are my least favorite part of the, the job. Uh, <laughs> that, that pause button we all unfortunately got hit on us. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 not great. Um, I think my least favorite part is just that it's like a, a a personal characteristic of me is like like I. I don't like it when I get overwhelmed, like, and that, that usually, like, I really, I know I have to, like, there are only four casting directors based in New Orleans, four or five based in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. So, and there's a lot of work here. So I know that if I'm doing two shows and a third and fourth comes along at the same time, that and and my office, we are a two-person office, right? So two people doing all the stuff. Um, I know that I need to take those jobs. Uh, so I don't like being overwhelmed. 
-hmm. but sometimes I have to be overwhelmed. So I think that's probably my least favorite aspect. Um, but, but I usually make it through it. Yeah. Made, uh, made it this far, I guess. Now you've had some quiet time. We all have through quarantine. How have you chosen to stay creative, um, keep yourself recharged and not, uh, not get so antsy waiting for uh, everything to reopen? Um, well, personally, I have, um, I've been through stages, you know, like the, the beginning of it, I, um, I was pretty anxious right away. Like, I, I was like, oh my God, I'm, what, I'm never going to work again. You know, I, I don't know. I felt like my, I felt like I had the virus because I was so like, you know, uptight about it. <laughs> um, I just needed to relax some. Um, probably within the first week or two, I, um, I started a monologue challenge on Instagram, which, which was really fun. Um, and it's still going, it's the, uh, hashtag one minute monologue challenge. Um, the challenge isn't going, but people are still sending monologues. Um, I got to a point where I was like, you know, I got so consumed with watching monologues on Instagram. I was waking up in the morning and, and I would be like, Oh my God, there's, there are like a hundred monologues that came in overnight and I would, I would just watch them. I'm, I'm like watching them, watching them. And I would like reshare them all, you know, all this stuff. And then I got to like, I think 1300 and I just, uh, I was like, okay, we, where is this going? What am I going to do with it? So I, I set it to do like, a um, have like winners top 10 based on the algorithm of Instagram. Yeah. Um, which some people didn't like, I, I, I got some flack about it. Like, so I did that and then we did some meetings. I did some, um, some generals with the winners. I did, gen I did like probably three weeks, uh, like a day or two a week of generals with people who signed up through Instagram. Yeah. And, and uh, I did that through weaudition.com, which was real. which is, you know, a really great tool. It's probably going to be very beneficial uh, for all of us on pandemic mode. Um, and then inadvertently what happened is that grew my Instagram like to over 10,000 people. I was at like 1,700 followers and now it's at like, like over 10,000 people. It's like, I was like, oh, okay. I'm an influencer now. <laughs> I did, uh, and then I also uh, kept busy doing, um, I recorded a couple of my own podcasts. I have my podcast, Talking Like Normal People. Um, I did a few during quarantine. I haven't done one in a few weeks um, because probably for the last month, uh, so like two after two months of quarantining, um, when things started to open up a little bit, um, my husband and I decided, we, we have an RV that we... Uh, that we got like two and a half years ago, we decided to take a road trip. We figured we'd, uh, we can still quarantine because we're in our own thing. It has a bathroom and a kitchen. And yeah. so we made, we made food for uh, two weeks and we literally ate, we only ate outside of that food like four times, maybe five times. Um, but we, we do like keto diet. So, uh, 
it was all keto food that we ate. And so we did that. We went to, we went to Yellowstone and the Badlands and the Grand Tetons and uh, like Jackson Hole, Wyoming and the Rocky Mountains. So we did all that. Uh, and then we came home and then we were here for probably like four or five days. And we're like, why, why did we come home? <laughs> you know, why, why did we come home? So we went to the beach. That's why I'm so tan. We went, to the, we went to the beach. We were like, let's go to the beach for two days. And, and we ended up uh, hitting three different beaches for a week. So, so that's what I've, I've been doing for the like, last three weeks to a month. Um, which has been really nice to to get out on the road. Um, it's crazy. Some places are like way open. Some places are very open, and some places are still very locked down. It's, uh, yeah, I, I was in I was in Florida, and oh yeah, they're they're very open. Oh, it's crazy. It's yeah. like and people aren't wearing masks either. I'm like, y'all y'all need to put those masks on. Yeah, I think that for me personally and a lot of friends that I've talked to in, in a lot of ways, the reopening is actually more stressful than things closing down because there was this sense of protection, whether it be true or, you know, artificially manufactured, there was a sense of like protection of the sacred home. And now as like different areas have different rules, there's just more confusion to an already just. No, I know. Crazy. Well, I'm home now. <laughs> well, I'm glad you got to get out and see a little nature. That is one thing that I have definitely missed through quarantine because our, our parks are just starting to reopen in California. Um, all right. So last question that we ask everyone on the podcast is what is one thing you wish you could go back and tell your younger self? Uh, <laughs> uh, as an actor, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, since this, uh, this is about acting, I'll go with this. Um, there are other markets besides Los Angeles and New York yeah. that you can work in and you don't have to be a movie star. You can be a working actor in Louisiana, in Georgia, in New Mexico, you know, in Chicago. Um, and you can make a, a career and a living out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ryan, for making the time to chat with us. And thank you. Um, where can we check out your podcast? Oh, the podcast, Talking Like Normal People. And you, you can go to talkinglikenormalpeople.com or it's on all the platforms Spotify, uh, in, Instagram, uh, Spotify. You just uh, want to drive people to your Instagram. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm at Rye Glow on Instagram. Um, it's on iTunes and Stitcher and, uh, you know, all those places, Google Play. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us and share some really invaluable insight about the Southeast market and also just acting in general. I really do appreciate it. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. And to my guest today, Ryan Glorioso. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And tell a friend. Our goal here at What's My Frame is to encourage, educate, and inspire our creative community. You can also follow us on Instagram at What's My Frame for daily blogs, industry news, and weekly giveaways. I'm Laura Linda Bradley, and this is What's My Frame. <laughs>